welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast. I am so glad you are here today. I get to interview my friend, Jennifer Street. Jennifer is a licensed clinical social worker. She is the trauma care coordinator at Care for Pastors. And not only does she have experience as a pastor's wife, but also as a woman in ministry. Today we talk about some things that she has walked through, like forced termination, and now how she helps other women and pastor's wives walk through that, and she supports and cares for them. This is an episode you do not want to miss. It is part one of a two-part series, so stay tuned. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Joy. Thanks for having me on tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I'm here with Jennifer Street who I've just come to know recently. And like I told you last week, I just feel like we should just be best friends. <laughs> I agree. So thank you so much for coming on. I um, just can't wait to share you with other people. I think you are a wealth of knowledge, information. You are just, you have helped so many women in ministry and we're going to get into all of that. But why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm a mother of two. I have an almost six-year-old and a three-year-old. And I uh, live near Houston, Texas. And my husband and I um, are currently, he's a stay-at-home dad. So that's been an interesting. We spent 17 years in full-time ministry. And then we switched roles. So I'm working full-time and he's getting to do the stay-at-home dad. And it's COVID time. So we're homeschooling wow. our, our kindergartner. And um, my background in the field, I started as a social worker in 2001, and then in 2007, got my master's, and from there, kind of specialized in trauma. So mm. the last nine years or so, that had been primarily with active duty military and veterans and their families, and then that season kind of ended, and I'm no longer doing the therapeutic veteran retreat. So the opportunity came up to take the trauma work into the ministry world. Mm, wow. So that's what I've been doing the last year, in addition to teaching. So my full-time work is teaching. Okay. And you teach at Liberty? I do. I'm the program director for the social work undergraduate program. Awesome. I love that. So that's so cool. I'm totally going to get into that, how you've taken that trauma experience into ministry. That sounds fascinating. Um, can you give us a little bit of your background on ministry experience? And you said that you, your husband was a pastor. And can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so when I was five, it goes all the way back. Um, wow. When I was five, my dad left banking and went to seminary. Um, so I used to tell people we were moving to the cemetery because I couldn't say the word seminary. Um, but he went to New Orleans Baptist uh, when I was five. And so after that, he took a church position in Tennessee. So from age nine on, I grew up in East Tennessee. Uh, he was serving as a minister of administration. So with his business background and his ministry background, that was his role um, for most of my life. And um, then I went away to college and that's where I met my husband. We actually met singing in a worship band together. Um, so we started traveling and leading worship, writing music together back in 1998. Um, and then when we graduated, um, he took a ministry position in Tampa. So that's what okay. took us to Florida. We spent 15 years in Florida 
uh, 10 of those in the Tampa area um, in several different ministries that we served. And then the last four on the East Coast. So we got to experience both sides of Florida. Um, and he served as a youth and worship pastor um, in various capacities while we were there. And we also had a stint of time where we had an independent group that traveled and led worship for youth camps and things oh, like cool. that. So um, our and move to Houston. You served uh, right alongside him. Yeah. So, you know, it's a two for one deal, I guess. Um, Originally, I started as a volunteer, and then at our first church, I came on part-time as the youth ministry assistant, so he was full-time, and then I kind of was doing the newsletter and, you know, getting yeah. curriculum together and all the administrative things, and then um, the last church that we served actually had the opportunity to open a counseling practice there in the church, wow. so the last four years that we were in full-time ministry, I was serving on the worship team, but then also running a private Christian counseling oh, practice. Wow. So that's really cool. So you were a pastor's wife. You were a woman in ministry all at the same time. Um, what were some of those early challenges that you faced? Now you, your dad was a pastor, so I'm sure that sort of influenced how you went into ministry. But back on those early days, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a pastor's wife and as a woman in ministry? Well, I remember in the early days, finances being a big challenge because mm -hmm. um, we were newly married and we moved to an area that was kind of affluent. And of course, the pastor's salary doesn't keep up with everybody else's salary. Um, so I, I remember those struggles early on. Um, and very early on in our ministry, I know later on, we're going to talk about forced termination, but we actually had a forced termination mm. early in our ministry. Um, and that, that was hard because we had really invested and, you know, we purchased a home and then we felt kind of mm. stuck because we're like, we don't have family here. And now this job has ended. What do we do next? Um, you know, but God opened doors for us and he took care of us. I think early in ministry, besides the financial struggles, uh, I had not yet learned that just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. Mm. So taking on everything and feeling like you had to be there every time the door was open. Sure. Uh, I think those were some of the earliest challenges. Yeah. I love how you um, touched on that. I just, I already see how God weaves in and out of your story. How like something that you're mentioning you know, that happened early on in your ministry, we're going to touch on again and what you do now. I think that's so, so awesome. So you work with a lot of pastors, wives, women in ministry. What are some of the struggles that you see that pastors, wives face today? Well, one of the newest things is really this concept of betrayal trauma. And for me, it, it wasn't until after our second forced termination years apart, you know, like 15 years later, we went through that again in ministry and, um, you know, kind of having the realization that this was a betrayal trauma with the church mm. and that I was having, I knew it was traumatic. I knew it turned our life upside down. I knew that it was hard but I hadn't really put a name to it. And since doing that, people are just coming out of the woodwork like that. Yeah. I relate to that. That's happening to me. And that's really only been in the past year. So, you know, prior to last year, I would probably say that the challenges of pastor's wives are, you know, balancing everything and the expectations and having somebody to trust and talk to because it's hard, right, to have friends, but also be in leadership. 
Right. Uh, but over the past year, you know, the challenge, the more serious challenge of dealing with trauma to your ministry and your marriage as a result of the church. Um, yeah. That's just really come to the forefront. And what, like, what brought you to that point where that betrayal trauma even became something that you recognized? Because you had gone through it and then you had this moment of like, you know, where, where those words and that experience kind of came, like you came to understand that as something that other people face. Can you touch on that? Like, how did you even, you know, get familiar with that word, with those words? Well, actually I was on maternity leave and I was taking a 17 week online course for therapists to treat infidelity. And it was in this course, so I was with other therapists and we were taking these courses about treating infidelity in relationships, because that's always an area where I didn't feel as equipped as I wanted to be, um, because it's so hard for couples to overcome infidelity. And that was a term that they used in the training. They called it betrayal trauma. Mm -hmm. And they were challenging us to shift our view instead of thinking of how the hurt party um, acts as codependent, thinking of it as a trauma response. They're actually mm -hmm. having a trauma response. And I had never really thought about it that way. And it was probably week four or five of the class. And uh, my colleague was in the same online class. So he said something and it just, the light bulb came on. I was like, oh my gosh, it was betrayal trauma with the church. That's what I experienced. Wow. Um, so I texted her and she was like, duh, you know, of course it is because that, that makes total sense. And I knew that it was traumatic. Again, I wasn't like in the dark about that this affected me and that I had some of those, I wouldn't say I had post-traumatic stress, but I just had some traumatic stress reactions yeah. and I was aware of that, but just putting the name to it, I think was really powerful for me to understand that is what happened. I was in a right. relationship with a church and I felt extremely, we felt extremely betrayed. Yeah. Um, I think that's so, even the fact that you said that some, this is one of the struggles that you see pastor's wives face today. Um, I think this is a very isolating thing until mm -hmm. you really know that it's out there. You don't, you don't think anybody else goes through it. And we're going to mm -hmm. get into this a little bit. I mean, this is something that, you know, I've been through my husband, I've been through, I had no clue that other people have been through it. Um, and so just that you're saying that you have opened up this whole new world that really women walk through completely alone. And that's yeah. why I love what you're doing. Um, and let's, let's talk about that. So you do work, you work with for care for pastors, which is actually on the joy for ministry page. If you're listening and you want more information, you can go right to care for pastors, or you can go on the joy for ministry page. I have them as a resource. Um, you work as the trauma care coordinator. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So last year, so we're in 2020 right now, back at the end of 2019, when I was not going to be doing the therapeutic retreats anymore, it was actually my husband. I have to give him all the credit. We were out of town and something, we were just talking and he said, you know, now that you're not doing that right now, maybe it's time to take all the trauma knowledge and apply it to ministry families. Mm. And we didn't know what that looked like, but I just kind of sent an email um, to Ron and Rodetta. We met them during our own forced termination. We went for on-site care at Care for Pastors, and we'd been there for a week. And then we had our follow-up care, um, just trying to kind of recover and um, move forward in our own life. 
And so I reached out around Thanksgiving, we ended up having a meeting and we all kind of said, well, something's going on, but we're not sure what should it look like. And we started talking about it. And I said, well, you know, what if we just start with a group? What if we put out there a group for pastors lives and see what happens? And, you know, in the therapy world, uh, support groups are wonderful, but they can be very hard to fill. So mm. usually you expect like, I need to advertise for six weeks and, you know, it's going to, we'll be lucky if we have five people. And the day we posted the information, the group filled and we wow. were like, okay, I guess there really is a huge need. And since then, every single group fills up, you know, every time that we post it and it just tells you how great the need is. So we just started there. Um, Care for Pastors said, you know, what, is there any time that you could devote to this? And I said, well, you know, I'm working full time and getting my doctorate and, you know, probably only like maybe six to 10 hours a week, but I'd be glad to help kind of formulate this idea of a trauma mm -hmm. care program and, and what that could look like in the future. So there's big goals. I mean, there's goals of ultimately having therapeutic retreats for um, ministry couples and we have a lot of ideas, but we started with this and I think developing groups because now the pastors have asked, is there a group for us? Mm. And uh, so looking at developing curriculum for pastors yeah. and then also for ministry couples to kind of go through this together. Those are all things that are on the horizon. That's so amazing. Um, and being in one of those groups, I can tell you it has just been a, a breath of fresh air. It has been a lifeline. You know, like I said, coming out of our own forced termination and feeling like my husband is moving on faster than I am. And I've lost my community, a big part of my community completely gone. You know, we were at a bigger church and I, I still kept in touch with some of the other pastor's wives, but that's, that can be painful. They're still at this, this church. And so finding the confidant at, you know, the care for pastors, I, it was a lifeline to me because I needed those relationships. And then in that finding, um, this be it again group, which has, which is just support for pastor's wives who, you know, they've been through forced termination. Like I said, I didn't know it was out there and I didn't know how bad I needed it until it was there. And it was just like, it was like a soothing bomb on my soul. That's the only way I could put it. <laughs> That's a beautiful way to describe it. Yeah. And it was so, and I, I used to say to you, um, you know, Jennifer, just like, I love that you, you're leading this group and you went through it. So you knew what we were all going through, mm. which I think was huge for all of us. It was huge and different for me too, because in a traditional, like, therapy group or in my role as a therapist, uh, that's not usually something I would do. So the, the opportunity to leverage my own experience and lessons learned to support in not a therapy way, but just in an education and support environment, um, you know, it's challenging to kind of put yourself out there that way. But I think that's, you know, that God won't waste a hurt. You know, I think that's mm. a promise that he gives us. And so to see him bring this full circle and use it is just really crazy to me and amazing. Yeah. Do so you feel like that was some redemption for what you have been through? Yeah. It's bringing purpose out of pain yeah. and 
um, seeing it do something because, you know, my intention is, is never to, you know, badmouth the church or anything like that. But I think just we have to acknowledge the reality that churches are broken and made up of broken people. And so we mess up and we don't treat each other well. And more and more, especially in this time of the pandemic, like people are losing their jobs left and right. And yeah. their, you know, churches are um, either closing because of financial issues or other reasons. And then people are going through forced termination with no place to turn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And I think until you go through it, you don't, you don't realize how hard it is. Yeah. So I, I think that's amazing. Um, and I think that there's such a huge need for it. I always say I love ministry. I love it. It's my passion, like, but it can be so painful mm. and having that support, you know, it can help you thrive in ministry instead of getting bitter and walking away. Yeah. So I think that's, that's amazing. Um, so I, we kind of touched on this, but how has your own experience really helped you lead this group and really speak to these women? Well, you know, I always actually told Rodetta recently, when you step your foot back into the ministry realm, you get the giant target on your back, you know, and, mm. and new challenges arise. And, um, so it's forced me to continue growing because every time I think, you know, oh, I'm past this part of the journey, something comes up. Um, like it, through this process, uh, people that were part of that original congregation that or that we've, you know, went through our forced termination with have reached out and they've experienced forced termination too. Wow. And that was a real challenge. That was a real test of how far have you come in your healing that you could welcome um, wow. somebody and, you know, um, that was actually part of your forced termination in a, in an indirect way, you know? Um, so yeah, it's challenged me to continue growing. Um, but I think the design of the group was actually to take bits and pieces of, of my story and not just what happened with the church, but what happened afterward, which was a really kind of dark, deep, sorrowful time for me. Um, and share that story in a way that opens the door for people to talk about mm. theirs. Because if we just sat down in a group of pastor's wives who all have it together and just said, talk about what's hard. I mean, eventually it would come out. But what I find is sharing that little bit of the story about how it affected my identity or, or how it just kind of left me lost and not knowing where we were supposed to land. I think people identify with that and they're able yeah. to see themselves in that story and connect with it in a deeper way. Definitely. Definitely. That's so true. Um, and I found that even in that group, it's just, it's so healing. Hearing somebody else's story can be so healing for your own. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Um, so being part of this Beat Again group has been so amazing for me, healing in my journey. Um, what are some things that pastor's wives walk through and face when they're going through forced termination? Well, I think one of the very first things is the stress that comes with not knowing where your basic needs are going to come from. You know, we have to acknowledge that first. If you're full-time in ministry and you walk in one day and get a pink slip, basically, 
uh, you don't know where, I mean, right. most pastors don't have thousands of dollars in savings. It's, I mean, I know Dave Ramsey recommends three months of, yes. you know, <laughs> being able to pay all your bills, but that's really not the reality for uh, most ministry families. So immediately there's the fear, you know, where are we going to live? If we're in a parsonage, if we're, you know, how are we going to pay our rent? How, you know, where is God going to provide for us in this? So that kind of turns your world upside down right. um, because you get, you have that fear that you're not going to have your basic needs and be able to take care of that. Um, and so I think it starts there. It rocks your world and you worry about how we're going to take care of the necessities. Um, I know for us, it really made us question, did we hear God right? Is this mm. where we were called? Um, our abilities were questioned. And so then yes. you start asking yourself like, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I'm not called to this. And right. I mean, that's the enemy, but in those early days, and then there's just a lot of questions, you know, why, and right. why didn't anybody talk to us or was there something we could have done differently? So there's all the questioning and doubting yourself and, and then just the hurt because, yeah. you know, to, invest in a ministry for however long you're there and, and put down roots and develop relationships and be raising your family and doing life with a group of people that now all of a sudden disappear. Um, there's just a great sense of abandonment and loss in that as well. Right. Yeah. There's so many things and it's like layers. And as you feel like, okay, I've sort of worked through this, you don't realize right behind that is coming another layer that you have to walk through. And I know for me, every time I felt like I was making strides, I would look over at my kids, you know, and the trauma that they have gone through, it's so hard to see your kids go through it. Like it was painful for me and I'm trying to work through it, but then how do you walk your kids through it? So it's like every time you think, okay, I'm doing a little better here. There's like another layer and then another layer. And then you turn and you look at your kids and you're like, when, when is this ever going to get easier? But I think even what you're saying, it's just, there's so many things. It's not one thing that you have to work through. Yeah. And I think bringing awareness to this, to leaders in churches is really important because a couple things happen. One is I heard the stories. I still hear the stories of youth from our youth group who don't go to church anymore because of yeah. the way the church handled things like this, or who walked away from their faith, which breaks my heart. Uh, and then I hear people who go straight back into ministry without taking the time to work through their healing, because maybe they can't financially, they have to jump straight into another ministry position, and they're not healed. And then the wounds get repeated, and it continues to re-injure and, and hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So if I have been hurt, and I don't take time to deal with that, and I go into another ministry, I'm not healthy. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody who goes directly into another ministry isn't healthy, but I think that what Care for Pastors does, I know when our first termination, forced termination early in ministry, we didn't have the resources to do anything like on-site care that we did uh, with Care for Pastors. So years later, when it happened again, I was like, we have the resources now. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to me because I needed it the first time and I didn't get any support. Right. So we were so fortunate uh, to find care for pastors and have the resources to do that. Um, but yeah, I think that's bringing awareness at a leadership level that, you know, yes, sometimes people need to move on, but we need to 
facilitate that in a way that is God honoring and doesn't cause trauma to families and cause pastors to leave the ministry. I mean, they're, this just not God honoring. Right. And I think what you said is so true. Um, you know, there needs to be a healing there. All these things need to take place and, and that needs to be done in a, in a good way, in the right way. Um, and I think what happens is sometimes you go through forced termination and you think, well, I'm a Christian. I should, I should be able to get over this or I shouldn't be upset or I should forgive. I should, 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 should. And you think all these Mm. things and you don't get the help you need and you think it's you. And I know that being part of this beat again group was so good for me too, because I'm realizing like, I'm not, it's not me that I, I should just be able to forgive and I should just be able to surrender. and I should just be able to move on. But hearing everybody's story, like, Oh, I am hurt and that's okay. Oh, I do feel betrayed and that's okay. Like, you know, I think we think as Christians, we should just be okay. Mm-hmm. And we don't get the help we need. Yeah. Well, and that, that there's still in our country, a stigma about any type of mental health care, which there shouldn't be. Um, you know, if you had diabetes, you would never tell someone not to will themselves to take more insulin. Right. right. I mean, that's insane. We wouldn't say that. But yet if we're, if we've gone through a trauma and we're experiencing depression, people expect us just to be able to pull ourselves up, up by our bootstraps. And that's not always possible without help. Right. Um, so you're totally right. I mean, when I looked up forced termination in the library database and saw that there are actually research, it's happened enough that there are research studies on it. Not a lot, wow. but there's a body of literature about it and it's being studied. and So I think that there's validation in that, you know, when you go from feeling like I'm the only person this happened to, and this is shameful, and it means there's something wrong with me, to realizing, no, this is a phenomenon that's happening across our country and across the world, um, and it does impact people, and we need to address it and acknowledge it. There's some validation that comes with that. Right. Yeah, I think it's not talked about enough. I think it's something that, that needs to be talked about more so you know women pastors wives they don't feel alone and of course pastors men go through their different things and you know you have women going through forced termination it's not you know I think it's just not talked about enough yeah so what sitting I was gonna say I remember sitting with pastor Ron on like day three when we were there and and Ron is at care for pastors Yes, he's okay. the, um, <laughs> yeah, and so he was primarily doing our pastoral care when we went there, and I remember as we were telling the story, he said, let me guess, this, 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 and this happened after, and I was like, how did you know that? Like, are you reading my mind? I didn't tell you this story yet, um, but to realize, right, that it, this is a pattern that has happened so often to other people, um, I was shocked, but then I was also relieved Cause I was like, okay, it's not just me thinking that this was handled poorly. This is right. like a problem. Right. Sure. And I think one of the words that you used is so good is shame. I think shame put, puts us in hiding. Yeah. You know, we think, I, I know recently I was writing something, you know, in, in a journal, I talked about feel, that feeling of being embarrassed, you know, that this happened. And, and my husband, he's so, he's so great. He's like, like, I don't, I'm not embarrassed and I don't hide this from anybody. And, you know, 
I'm not ashamed of anything, but as the woman, I felt that. And I think sometimes shame or embarrassment keeps us in hiding. And that's why it's such a hush hush thing. Mm. Yeah, you're right. So what has been a key thing in your healing because you've had to heal from what you've gone through and what do you say to other women who are walking through this and looking for healing? I know that's probably, there's probably like, (laughs) this is probably such a huge question you could spend an hour on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, so when I reflect on my experience of like being newly married and, you know, 22 or 23 and going through forced termination versus going through it, you know, after being married for many years and more established in ministry, the first time around, I know that I was so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I, I know that a lot of bitterness and resentment just w- like built up and spewed out and I wanted to like be up on a mountaintop screaming what had happened because I want, I felt like I had to let people know that we didn't do anything wrong. Like I had to justify myself. Um, And that made it harder for me. Mm -hmm. And um, so later on when other challenging things would happen in ministry and even after this, our last experience, um, I came to a place of realizing like, I don't have to justify myself to anybody Mm -hmm. else and the Lord is my defender and he knows my heart and what I did or didn't do and anybody that would believe something opposite about me Mm -hmm. doesn't know me that's so Um, bad yeah and that was so freeing because I did not have that the first time and I stayed angry for so long and I remember it's probably two or three years after that happened to us our first experience somebody who we were still in relationship with from that church said you know, just randomly one day, they were like, a few of us were talking and we realized that it doesn't matter who had come into that position, the same result was going to happen. Like, basically, it wasn't you guys that the situation you were brought into just set you up to fail and it was going to happen to whoever came into that role. Um, And that there was like this relief. It was like, oh, okay, somebody acknowledged it. Right. Right. Um, But later on, I realized like, as hard as it is to have restriction, like to have to sign something saying you're not going to talk about it or you don't get a severance, which happened to us. Um, I didn't feel the need to do that because I just thought if they, if somebody doesn't know me enough to know that this is not the way I do things, then they don't really know me. Mm. And I don't ha- I don't have to prove that to them. Um, but I will say that there's been two, two times in our ministry experience that people have come back later and said, I'm so sorry, we listened to the wrong people. Like, you wow. know, it wasn't, wasn't you guys, what, you know, that you didn't do anything wrong. And um, that's nice. But you know, sometimes you don't ever get that. We've had that right. twice, thankfully. But, um, you know, it's, it is hard to step back and trust God to protect your identity and to fight for you and defend you. Um, but doing that was a big thing for me. I didn't, feel, I still felt angry, but it wasn't the same bitterness and, you know, just resentment that I kept for so long. Um, so yeah, I mean, taking a break was good for us because we hadn't 17 years, you know, we'd been in full-time ministry and we hadn't had any breaks. So after our most recent experience, taking a break, um, stepping back to realign our priorities, was really important because most of our ministry we did not have children so 
it would never really occurred to us that we didn't have any interests outside of the church. Right. <laughs> we didn't have any friends or hobbies or anything except for Disney World. We liked to go to Disney World, yeah. but other than that, <laughs> um, and oddly enough, Disney World started as a coping skill because our very first church, um, he would get called a lot on the weekends to just come to the church for this or that. So we started escaping to Disney World and we'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, we're in Orlando. We can't come. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but it just became something that we enjoyed doing together. Um, so, you know, all this time being solely devoted to ministry, because we did it together, it wasn't divisive. It wasn't like he was doing his thing and I was off at home or doing something separate and felt like ministry was taking him away from me because we were in it together. Um, but then you add children, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when our most recent experience happened, I realized like we had revolved our entire life around the church instead of everything else revolving around our family. Right. And that was a huge lesson for me that no matter if it's a church or a nonprofit or um, whatever we're doing, our everything else in our life needs to revolve around our family. And that's our first and most important ministry. Right. Um, so that was a huge lesson learned. Thank you for joining us today. Come back next week where we finish up our interview. And if you have walked through forced termination or know somebody that has, make sure you share this podcast with them or share it with anybody in ministry or a pastor's wife. Jennifer has walked through things and has now established a way to walk alongside other women who are going through it so that you don't feel alone. I think it is such an important conversation, such an important topic to talk about. Also, check out our website, joyforministry.com. You can leave a prayer request. You can email us. You can share us, subscribe, rate us. We want to walk alongside you so that you can thrive in ministry. See you next week.